Heavenly Father, Lord, we we thank you for your presence. Lord, we thank you for the fact that you decided to show up this morning. And Lord, we want to take advantage of that. We don't want to miss out on that. We want to head over heels, dive into that, dive into your presence, Lord, and we say it every Sunday, we're saying it again, we don't want to move forward unless you're here and you're here, so we, we get a chance to move forward, amen. And Lord, I pray that this morning is genuine, I pray that this morning is different than any other Sunday we've attended, than any other time we've heard the word preached. The reason for that, Lord, is... I uh, thank you so much that we've never arrived. We, we can't arrive. We can't get to a place where uh, somehow we, we know it all. We've learned it all. Lord, there's more. You have something for us today. And God, I just pray for the opportunity to present itself to experience you this morning. To experience you this morning. Lord, we want to experience the Father this morning. God, I pray that you're with us. I pray that you open us up. It was open heart surgery this morning. That there's nothing we can hide from you. <laughs> Thank you for that. We love you. We need you. Be with us. Be in this preaching. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen. You guys can be seated. Well, I'll say it's very nice to see you guys again. I am officially off of vacation. Last week I led worship because we just needed somebody. So I was here but not here. I kind of told people, just listen but don't look at me, okay? (laughs) Just kidding. I didn't say that. But officially back and vacation was good. Thank you to everybody who filled in. Beck preaching. Um, I'm sure he did an amazing job. Uh, The weeks that I was out, I spent most of my vacation doing manual labor, uh, landscaping. But to be honest with you, that for me was therapeutic because I didn't have to get up and go and leave and do something and stop in the middle of the work or the middle of the day, what I was doing. So again, that, that for me was downtime, relaxing time, even though I was moving flagstone and just, I mean, I was tired at the end of the day, <laughs> very tired. Um, but ready to go, ready to jump back in it with you guys. And I have to say that I like vacation. I do. Getting a chance to not get burned out. But I miss my church family. I'll be honest with you. Yes, I appreciate it. I'm glad that there's people here. Um, I come back and I preach and you guys actually want to hear me. It's great. You're here. It's awesome. I know you're here because you want to hear the word. Not because you want to hear me speak. Okay. So... I left you guys with something previous to my vacation time, and I basically said that it's time to grow. Uh, came off of Nehemiah, um, preaching in Nehemiah where he was specific in saying that populating the city of Jerusalem, the walls have been built. Everything's done with this building business. And now he's saying we need to populate the inside of this place. Because that's what is going to allow for this place to sustain itself, um, to grow, um, to be healthy. It's the same thing with Eosis. Now, the way in which we're going to do that, guys, is not the latest and greatest marketing tool or advertising or Facebook post, Twitter feed, any of that stuff. All that's important. Don't get me wrong. It's tools that we can use, but the Lord didn't have that. Jesus didn't have that. What did he have? He went and he just talked to people. That's what I want you guys to do. You're going to hear from me every single Sunday saying the way that we're going to fill these seats is by you guys valuing what's going on here and then going and telling somebody about it. Amen? I want to grow that way. I want to grow the way of simply being an example of who Jesus is in your community, in your cul-de-sac, all right? And you just talk to him about what he's done here. In your heart and the fact that you fellowship at Jesus. Amen. The reason for that is because what we have, guys, it's it's not for us. It's for the city. We have a vision to go transform the city. And I believe we got more than 12 people in here, right? Well, Jesus only did it with 12. 
change the whole world, right? So here we go. I'm just going to be very upfront and, and I say this lightly, in your face about it. Um, I want you to hear it from the senior pastor. Um, so uh, uh, to my understanding, we have left off at Nehemiah 9 verse 5 and uh, have listened to the preachings that Beck brought um, on the podcast. Good job, brother. Appreciate it. You can come in and make sure that things don't fall apart. I love it. I love that I have somebody like that who can who can do that. But we left off at Nehemiah 9, 5. And today, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to read through the rest of chapter 9. Yeah. Now, that's 30-some verses, 33 verses. Just hang in there, okay? Hang in there. But before we jump into that, there's there's some context and content information that I want to give you so that we can see these verses, these 30-some verses, through the right lens. And it's very important that we do that simply because I don't want you to have Alex's opinion of what the Scripture's saying. Let's have the Scripture's opinion of what the Scripture's communicating, right? And that's what we do here. You guys know this. So before we jump into that, there's three points that I want to make. Make some statements to you, all right? Then we're going to look at the Greek, excuse me, not the Greek, the Hebrew words for confession and worship. And we're going to break those down, and then we're going to read the passage so that you can read the passage with the right lens. Sometimes we read the passage, then we have to come back and explain it, and then we go back and read it again. We're like, oh, that's what that meant. Okay. Well, we're going to set it all up from the beginning. Amen? Glad you guys are with me. First thing to touch on before we jump into this. We have to take note in the word when a specific action is explained in detail. We have to take note in the word when a specific action is explained in detail. So Nehemiah prayed. Then after that, in the first chapter of Nehemiah, we saw the prayer. There are times in the word where it says this man worshipped. This man confessed, this man uh, fasted, and we get a detailed explanation of what that looks like right after that. Sometimes we don't. We can look at Nehemiah, okay, in the first chapter he prayed, we got the detailed explanation or uh, we got to see what that prayer was, the actual words. There's other times where it says that he prayed and we don't see that. So we have to take note when it says in verses 2 and 3, of chapter 9, the context for where we're at right now is these the walls built. These people just got done being read the first five books of the Bible. And they realized they needed to make some changes in their lives. <laughs> so what did they do? They confessed and they worshiped. It says that in verse 2 and 3. Read that. The descendants of Israel separated themselves from all foreigners and stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. Verse 3. While they stood in their place, they read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for a fourth of the day and another fourth of the day. Again, they confessed and worshipped the Lord their God. So all of that drove them to those two things. Well, I want to know okay, what those two things mean in the context of this chapter. Because what we see is a detailed explanation of their confession in 33 some verses. So I want to look at it through the right lens. Second thing. Well, to wrap up that first thing, we get the what. We get the fact that they're confessing and they're, they're, they're worshiping. Um, and then we get the how, which is those verses. But the second thing that I want you guys to grab a hold of, to touch on before we enter into this, is it all has a destination. From Genesis to Revelation, ladies and gentlemen, let me say this. If you open up your word and it doesn't change you, and I'm going to suggest that you close it and open it up again with a different mindset. Because what's the point if you're reading it and it doesn't do anything to you? All of what we're doing, what we read, what we look at, what we soak up, it has a destination. And that destination, watch this, is not and does not look like your current circumstance. Does that make sense? The destination isn't right where you're standing. The destination is always somewhere further down the road. Somewhere better. Somewhere where you can uh, better yourself. Now, that doesn't mean we take for granted where we're at. 
or somehow say that we're never satisfied. Okay, you have to be a good steward of what you have and where you are. But the destination is always to be a closer, uh, how do I should say it like this, it should be, the destination should be for you to be a, a deeper follower of Christ. You chugging with me? Good. Now, last week, I'm going to dovetail off of some of the stuff that Beck brought as far as ingredients. I love the story he told about his mom cooking stuff. She was like, uh, I don't know if you've seen animated movies where there's some character doing all these busybody things and it looks like they got 13 arms just going all over the place. And she was like that in the kitchen making food. And it was always unbelievable. She always had the right ingredients. We're going to use that word today, ingredients. Uh, when we study his principles, when we study the word, we always see that there are those in it, ingredients, things that need to be present in order for miracles to happen, for major things to happen. All right. Healing comes. Success happens. A man built an ark. All right. Some little boy killed a giant. Seas were Parted. I mean, manna fell from heaven. There was pillars of fire and clouds and all of that stuff for it to come to fruition, for the Lord to bestow that onto his people. There was ingredients involved in that. Now, with that being said, what I would like to do is change that word from ingredients to order. That the right order was in place so that David could kill Goliath. There was a correct order that Noah had to fall in line with so that he could build this ark. There's so many, I mean, we could go down the list that there was order in order for the spirit to move, in order for God to bring to fruition his principles in somebody and through someone. Does that make sense? So I want to use that word order this morning. So the first thing was what? just want to make sure that we, we stay on it here. The first thing was to take note of when a specific action is explained in detail to understand, second note, that it all has a destination and that destination is not for you to stay in the same place. And that's the third thing I want to touch on real quick is that this, the principles of the word find themselves manifest in our lives on a heavenly scale, not an earthly scale. According to God's will, not your will, where there is order in your life. I'll say it again. The principles in the word find themselves manifest in our lives on a heavenly scale where there is order. So let's go to the other side of the spectrum where there is disorder in your life. You can probably see. Well, let me just say this where where you're wanting the Lord to work and it doesn't feel like he is quite the way that you want it to. Probably because there's some type of disorder there. Whereas you can go see in your life where there's been massive success. And there's been success according to the word. And I'm not talking like lots of money and big houses and all that stuff, okay? That's material success. I'm talking spiritual success. Let's just call it that. You can go back and look in your life where you've had that and it's according to some type of order. So... The principles in the word find themselves manifest in our lives, coming to fruition in our lives, on a heavenly scale, not according to us, where there is order. I'm going to make this statement, okay? And then we're going to jump over to 2 Corinthians 7. Alright, turn with me there. 2 Corinthians 7, verses 9, 10, and 11. Now, the reason I'm saying all this stuff to you this morning is to just give you the correct, again, the correct lens to view these 30-some verses. We're reading 30-some verses, and I don't want us to go off into la-la land while we're reading them. Because there's stuff in these scriptures that I believe are so important that the ingredients that we find in them when it comes to confession and worship are ingredients that we can't leave out if we leave them out there's disorder and as anybody in here 
ever confessed something to the Lord, said, you know what? I'm going to change my life. I'm going to be different. And then you found yourself in the same place. No one? Okay, it's cool. No, I'm just kidding. I guess I'm the only one. Everyone in here, I am sure at some point in your life, have dealt with that. And that's real. I don't want to stand up here and give you a candy-coated message and be like, I hope you can apply this to your life. No, no, let's let's deal with the real questions. Why is it that when I confess something, and that's what the word says to do, homo, uh, uh, what's what's the, uh, the the Greek word, homo legos, le, homo logeos, I think is how you say it. Homo means same, logeos meaning to say. So you say the same thing about sin that God is saying. That's the Greek word for confession in the New Testament. All right. So I said what I needed to say about sin. I agreed with God on it. But why am I still here? Why am I back in the same place? We're going to jump on that today. All right. It's good stuff. Second Corinthians seven. Verses nine through eleven. Now, what this is, this is Paul speaking about repentance and true, true repentance. Confession leads us to repentance. All right. So let's just read this real quick. It says, I now rejoice, not that you were made sorrowful, but that you were made sorrowful to the point of repentance. For you were made sorrowful according to the will of God. So that you may not, uh, excuse me, so that you might not suffer loss in anything through us. For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret, leading to salvation. There's the destination. But the sorrow of the world produces death. Verse 11. For behold, what earnestness, this very thing, this godly sorrow has produced in you. What vindication of yourselves, what indignation, what fear. That's a big one. What longing, what zeal, what avenging of wrong. In everything you demonstrate yourself to be innocent in the matter. See, what that is speaking to is a heart change. That when I confess something and it leads me to true repentance, I'm not just feeling bad about it. Because if I feel bad about it, the world says, if you just feel bad about it, it's good enough. But why am I still here? It's because what was not produced was a godly sorrow, not a worldly sorrow. Okay, the reason I took you to that verse is because as we read again through this big chunk of scripture, you're going to see time and time and time again where these people had worldly sorrow. These people did not have godly sorrow and it landed them right back in the same place where they began. But there's something about this type of confession that there are ingredients to that. Again, I'm saying this again. I want us to get a hold of this. If we get a hold of this, I want to say this. I'm going to say this confidently. I guarantee you, you won't end up in the same place. I guarantee it. Why? Because it's scripture. So you don't have to believe me. You can just read it from Genesis to Revelation. Amen. All right. You are where you are because that's where the order in your life has you. You are where you are because that's where the order in your life has you. If things are out of order, he's got you where you're at so that they can be in order. But it's for a purpose so that he can move you to a higher level of order. How does this apply to what we are about to read? Again, I think I've already touched on it. Nehemiah 5, 9, excuse me, 5b through 38 is... A detailed look into the ingredients of these people's confession and worship and the order that surrounds it. So let's turn back over to Nehemiah 9. Now, the only thing I will apologize for, I get a lot of people telling me to stop apologizing. It's good. I think the only thing that I would say, hey, I'm sorry for is speaking too long and not reading long enough. So. I'm trying to set all of this up so that we can see it from the right place. So just bear with me as I, as we look at these two words that I told you that we were going to look at. Uh, confession and worship. Now I kind of let the cat out of the bag on the fact that we've studied confession before. And it was the Greek translation of that word. 
homologios. I think I said it right that time. Good. But the majority of the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. So we have to take those two words and look at what the Hebrew words are for them and then translate that into what is being said here. That's what I mean when I say let the word speak for itself. The English language does, doesn't do a very good job of helping us interpret the word. The Hebrew and the Greek do. If you ever want to know what it's really saying, pick apart each word, find it in the Hebrew in the Old Testament, and Greek in the New Testament with the exception of the book of Hebrews. That was translated um, in Hebrew as well. But we look at this first word, confession. And I'm going to say this to you. Maybe the reason why you're still stuck is because you've left some of the order out. You've left some of these three ingredients out of the equation. Now, the Hebrew word for confess in verses 2 and 3 that we, that we read is the word yada. Y-A-D-A-H. Yada. Now, that word has three translations. It has the meaning of that word has three, three points to it. Let me say it like that. The first is acknowledging your sin. Okay. We're kind of good at that one. That's the one I think that most Christians are great at. Saying, look, my bad, Lord. But this next two kind of floor me. These next two are the ones that told, uh, took my way of, of looking at this scripture. I don't want to say off into left field, but on the right track. I just I wasn't thinking about it the right way. Looked at this. And those two... Last two points are the first being to acknowledge your sin, but then to give thanks. And the third one was to praise. So this type of confession is not only to say the same thing about sin that God does, acknowledge it, all right, that's a loop that's in there, but then to give thanks. That doesn't make sense to me. I don't I don't necessarily do that. And guess what? The word is saying I need to do that. Right? So we got that word. This next word, worship. The Hebrew word for that is shaka. Got to say it with a little bit of phlegm right there, you know. It's S-H-A-C-H-A-H. The C-H is real phlegmy. Shaka. all right? Now that means to bow down. Totally different than what I would assume their worship would have been like in that moment. Honestly. I am a worship guy. Came from, I was a worship pastor before the senior pastor. Cut my teeth as a college pastor before the worship pastor. But nonetheless, what did we just get done doing? Worshiping. Standing up. Putting our hands in the air. Singing, letting things come from us towards the Lord. That's not bad. But that's not what they're doing here. It's a getting low. The bowing down. Now one leads to the other. And I'll show you how. The confession leads to this type of worship. The type of confession leads to this type of worship. Are you still with me? Good. Glad I have not completely lost you. So again, off the top, we now look at these scriptures through the correct lens. We can also see that the lens that we probably were looking at this stuff through is diametrically opposed to the one that we're supposed to look through. When it comes to confession and worship. So let me do this. Let's just read. And I'm going to start in verse 5b. And I felt like I needed to stop at verse 31 last um, service. And the Lord was like, no. (laughs) I said, hey, I feel like I need to stop. And the Lord was like, hey, you need to do what I asked you to do. Okay, so we read all 38 verses. Um, So yeah, we're going to start in 5b. And I'm going to break this up into a few different chunks. And this is the detailed look at the people's confession and worship. It says, Oh, may your glorious name be blessed and exalted above all blessings and praise. You alone are the Lord. You have made the heavens, the heaven of heavens, excuse me. With all their hosts, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them, you give life to all of them, and the heavenly host bows down before you. You are the Lord God who chose Abram and brought him out from Ur of the Chaldees and gave him the name Abraham. You found his heart faithful before you and made a covenant with him to give him the land of Canaanite 
of the Hittite and the Amorite and the Perizzite and the Jebusite and the Girgashite to give it to his descendants. And you have fulfilled your promise for you are righteous. I'm going to stop right there real quick. Off the top. When I think about confessing, I sit down and I say, Lord, I, me, this is what I have done. I'm sorry. They start with talking to the Lord about him. About who he is. You guys catch that? It may not be a uh, monumental thing that hits you, but let me say this. Do you want to return back to the same place that you were when you confessed that stuff? Why don't you, why don't we start out by talking to him about him first and not about us? And I'm going to continue to show you why that is so important. The acknowledgement of sin is coming, but there's giving thanks and praising him in this as well. Verse 9, it says, you saw the affliction of our fathers in Egypt. And heard their cry by the Red Sea. Then you performed signs and wonders against Pharaoh, against all the servants and all the people of his land. For you knew that they acted arrogantly toward them and made a name for yourself as it is this day. You divided the sea before them so they passed through the midst of the sea on dry ground. And their pursuers you hurled into the depths like a stone into raging waters and with a pillar of cloud... You led them by day and with a pillar of fire by night to light for them the way in which they were to go. Then you came down to Mount Sinai and spoke with them from heaven. You gave them just ordinances and true laws, good statutes and commandments. So you made known to them your holy Sabbath and laid down for them commandments, statutes and laws. Through your servant Moses, you provided bread from heaven for them for their hunger you brought forth water from a rock for them for their thirst and you told them to enter in order to possess the land which you swore to give them see they they not only talk to the lord about how good he is but they they tell him that you're a god of miracles splitting the sea uh, the pillar of cloud the pillar of fire you're a god of protection You're a God of structure and you spoke from heaven. You gave them just ordinances and true laws. And you know what? You're a God of boundaries. You know what that means? It means he loves you enough to keep you in the right lane. Their confession started with all of that. Now, there's a reason why it starts with that. If it starts with him, guess who it's going to end with? Him. If it starts with us, let me just, let's, let's talk about... Well, let me not get ahead of myself here. i got to read through this and then I'll make these points. But are you guys with me up until this point? How different of a confession is this than what we are used to saying? Now when we were, uh, real quick, when we read Second Corinthians 7, 9-11, through 11, uh, we're about to get into the acknowledgement of the sin part. Every time I say, but, in here, it's the people choosing worldly sorrow, not godly sorrow. This is where we insert Second Corinthians 7, 9-11. But they, our fathers, acted arrogantly. So let's just, okay. After all of that, after having been taken care of, this is what the people decide to do. But they, our fathers, acted arrogantly. They became stubborn and would not listen to your commandments. They refused to listen and did not remember your wondrous deeds, which you had performed among them. So they became stubborn and appointed a leader to return to their slavery in, e- in Egypt. Can you imagine that? Let me appoint somebody to take us back to the place that we're trying to get out of. How does that apply to you guys today, to us, to me? Well... If I'm asking the Lord to to make me a better leader, if I'm asking the Lord to uh, help me live a life that's above reproach, and then I find myself watching something on TV I'm not supposed to be watching, going to a movie that's got scenes in it that I shouldn't be looking at, I have just appointed a leader to take me back to my slavery. Does that make sense? If I'm asking the Lord to show me how to love this person more, to be more patient, he puts me in a position to do that, that patience is required, and then I choose to go the other direction. I have just appointed a leader to take me back to my slavery. So 
I hope that we catch that. You guys with me? And then, ever so subtly, this is what the people say. This is what the next part of the scripture says. But you are a God of forgiveness, gracious and compassionate. There's that word. Slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. And you did not forsake them. Even when they made for themselves a calf of molten metal and said, this is your God who brought you up from Egypt and committed great blasphemies. Here we go again. You, in your great compassion, the second time, did not forsake them in the wilderness. The pillar of cloud did not leave them by day to guide them on their way, nor the pillar of fire by night to light for them the way in which they were to go. I hope you're catching what's happening here. To continue in verse 20, you gave your spirit to instruct them. Your manna you did not withhold from their mouth. And you gave them water for their thirst. Verse 21, indeed, 40 years you provided for them in the wilderness and they were not in want. Their clothes did not wear out, nor did their feet swell. You also gave them kingdoms and peoples and a lot of them as a boundary they took possessions, uh, possession of the land of Sihon, the king of Heshbon, and the land of Og, the king of Bashan. You made their sons numerous as the stars of heaven, and you brought them into the land which you had told their forefathers to enter and possess. So their sons entered and possessed the land, and you subdued before them the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites. You gave them into their hand with their kings and the peoples of the land. You did with them as they desired. They captured fortified cities and fertile land. They took possession of houses full of every good thing. Hewn cisterns, vineyards, olive groves, fruit trees in abundance. So they ate, were filled, and grew fat, and reveled in your great goodness. My goodness. Those, that section of scripture right there speaks about the Lord's favor all over these people. Drenched. In it. Here we go with Second Corinthians 7. Right? But they became disobedient and rebelled against you and cast your law behind their backs and killed your prophets who had admonished them so that they might return to you. And they committed great blasphemies. Therefore, you delivered them into the hand of their oppressors who oppressed them. They went in the opposite direction. And here's what the Lord did. But when they cried to you, in the time of their distress, you heard from heaven, and according to your great compassion, there it is again, you gave them deliverers who delivered them from the hand of their oppressors. So the Lord showed up again. Now, while I'm getting to the point in reading this, the first time I read this, I was like, how many times are we going to go back and forth? The Lord saves these people. They jump right back into the sin. He saves them. They cry out. He hears them. He hears every single one of you guys in here. Hears you. Look at this next verse. But as soon as they had rest, they did evil before you. Evil again before you. Man. At some point, I'm hoping these people get it. Now, the reason I say that is because I think that the reason why this is here. This description, this detailed look into how and why they're confessing is because they're getting it. It's, a, it's another point in the story where they're finally coming to a place where they're going to draw a line in the sand. Now we're going to see that in verse 38. But let me continue reading here. Uh, but as soon as they had rest, they did evil again before you. Therefore you abandoned them to the hand of their enemies so that they ruled over them. Here again, when they cried again to you, you heard them from heaven, and many times you rescued them. Here's the fourth time this word is said, according to your compassion. And admonished them in order to turn them back to your law. Yet, here we go again, they acted arrogantly and did not listen to your commandments, but sinned against your ordinances, by which if a man observes them, he will shall live. And they turned a stubborn shoulder and a stiff and stiffed their neck and would not listen. However, now, here's one of the weightiest uh, statements in this. You bore with them for many years. I get convicted when I read that because there are, there's, there's been years 
where I have outright rebelled against the Lord in certain areas of my life. I think that everyone in here could probably agree with that statement. And guess what? He bore with you. You know how I know he's bore, uh, took that weight with you? You woke up this morning. That's a sign that he hasn't completely just lost it with you and said, I've had enough. I've had enough of you walking this way. You know what he did? He allowed you to wake up. That in and of itself, ladies and gentlemen, is more than a statement of compassion and loving kindness than I have ever seen. Amen? However, you bore with them for many years and admonished them by your spirit through your prophets, yet they would not give ear. Therefore, you gave them into the hand of the peoples of the land, basically the exile. Nevertheless, in your great fifth time compassion, you did not make an end of them or forsake them. For you are a gracious and compassionate God. I hope you pick up on what this giving thanks in the midst of confession is this compassion. You will see in these verses that every single time they acknowledged their sin, guess what came right after that? Acknowledging the goodness of who God is, the greatness of who he is in one way. Thank you according to your compassion and loving kindness for not killing me the moment I messed up. Because you have every single right to blow me out of the water. But you haven't. Now before I read this next bit, that is what will cause you to get your face so far in the carpet you can't get low enough. That's why I think confession and worship, it brought them to a place where they realized how bad they were. But how good God was. And it caused them to get low in their worship, to bow down. Do you see how all that makes perfect sense? I was reading this for the first time like, Beck, why couldn't you just taken this whole thing? And I wouldn't have had to try to sift through this thing. But it's great. Now, here's the destination. They say all of that. And what I love is that they're talking to the Lord here. Right? So it's prayer. Remember when I brought that ACTS acronym, A-C-T-S, when it comes to prayer? That those ingredients, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, ACTS, they don't always have to happen in that order, but those are kind of the components of speaking to the Lord. We see that here. Here's where we get to the supplication part. They spend all their time talking to the Lord about Him and who He is, not who we are according to our sin. Huge difference. So here we go. They start to put their requests out towards the Lord. Now, therefore, our God, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God, who keeps covenant and loving kindness, do not let all the hardships seem insignificant before you, which has come upon us, our kings, our princes, our priests, our prophets, our fathers, and on all your people. From the days of the kings of Assyria to this day, however, you are just in all that has come upon us for you have dealt faithfully but we have acted wickedly now i should have stopped and pulled that verse out first hour Uh, they know that everything that they've been through was exactly what they deserved (laughs) everything we've been through hey i'm 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 gonna say that we probably deserve more everything that we've done So there's also this acknowledgement of, look, Lord, you are who you say you are, and you did according to your character. Amen. I'm giving thanks for that, that you don't change for anybody. Mm -hmm. Uh, For you have dealt faithfully, but we have acted wickedly. For our kings, our leaders, our priests, and our fathers have not kept your law. Or paid attention to your commandments and your admonitions with which you have admonished them. But they, in their own kingdom, with your great goodness which you gave them, with the broad and rich land which you set before them, did not serve you or turn 
from their evil deeds. Behold, we are slaves today, and so the land, uh, and as to the land which you gave to our fathers to eat of its fruits in its bounty, behold, we are slaves in it. It's abundant produce. Is for the kings whom you have set over us because of our sins. They also rule over our bodies and over our cattle as they please. So, so we are in great distress. So that's like a precursor to here's, here's what we're, we're asking for. And here's the destination. It's this verse 38 that comes by way of a sign to the Lord, or communicate something very real to the Lord, that they are serious about never returning to the behavior that caused them to be in and out and back at the same place that they started when they confessed or felt bad about what they did. They said this, now because of all of this, we are making an agreement in writing. Now the next part says, on the sealed document are the names of our leaders, our Levites, and our priests. Then they get into what the document is about. But you know what that means? At some point they got fed up with saying, God come save us from ourselves. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to draw a line in the sand and I'm saying I'm not going back there. Because I recognize how compassionate and loving you are. I also acknowledge my sin. The Lord is all about you acknowledging your sin. But guess what else? He's all about you acknowledging what he's done for you at the same time. Now, as we read through that and there was confession and immediately what came after that was recognizing the compassion of the Lord. What happens when we pull recognizing the compassion of the Lord out? Guess what? comes in is selfishness it's just selfishness because you say lord i am so bad i am this i am that uh, you just rake yourself over the coals then you forget to remind yourself of who made you so you spend all your time down in the dumps just beating the crap out of yourself that's why you come all the way back to that starting point but you have a god who loves you so much that he's a double loop learning lord he will bring you back to that same spot as many times as he needs to in order for you not to recognize how bad of an individual you are. That's not it. He's wanting to bring you back to that point so you will recognize how great of a God he is in your life. Amen? So, big chunk of scripture. But I don't think we could have gotten all of what was brought today by just looking at a few of those scriptures we had to look at it in its totality so here's what i want to do with you guys this morning you know i said that a couple of things to, things to touch on before we jump into this and it was this destination point i don't want you guys walking out of here the same as you walked in that you are able to confess and get something out Today we have communion, which is, is great. That's like perfect time for that. But I'm hoping that as you go through life and the amount of days that the Lord allows you to wake up, that we can come to a place where we understand that, yes, we need to confess the things that are in us that are not of him. But what needs to come right after that in order for us, in order for us to get past the mountain over the speed bump, whatever it is, whatever that thing is that you constantly bang your head up against, you gotta recognize how compassionate and how loving he is. And who he is according to his word and not who we are according to our sin. You guys trucking with me on that? I want that to transform you today. It has transformed me throughout this week studying this. That the destination doesn't look anything like where I'm at right now. We got to take steps forward. We got to grow. Amen? Well, good. Let's uh, get ready for our offering. 
and have the worship team come back up. And we got a word, huh? Okay. Just so you guys know, you can come up here. Periodically from time to time, <laughs> we'll have, I'll ask people, do you, do you have something? Do you have a word? Do you have something that, uh, the Lord's putting on you? And, uh, we believe Valerie walks in that prophetic and I don't know, something about this room. Last time we were in this room, we were going through the book of Haggai and we had Ruby just going crazy. Ruby Sepaia, you know. Uh, something about this room that the uh, the words come. So just just let us let us know what's on you. Amen. Ha. Who wants to receive that today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're going to do that. Um, let's get this offering. Go ahead and start pr- uh, praying there. You could pull that this way. Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you for the opportunity to give. We pray for the resources of heaven to just be loosed on this church and on the the people here lord money is the only place where you tell us to test you and we want to be a uh, a bible believing spirit-led body that does just that you say give it and it will be given unto you and lord we want to do that this morning joyfully and without begrudgingly so we pray that you would bless the offering as the plate is passed And that that money can be used to bless you and bless the city. In Jesus' name. Amen. So as we continue in this morning, that word, making being faithful the familiar. Mental exodus. Emotional exodus. We do a good job with the physical. But the reason why we revisit, if I replay this correctly, is because we don't spend enough time on the mental and emotional exodus. Returning to letting our faith be the familiar. We let the muck be the familiar. Maybe today's a day where you need to just get it out. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what it sounds like. But I do know that Something's got to happen. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to take communion. And communion is very, it's a serious thing in the body of Christ. The word, the, commun- uh, the Lord speaks of the communion as something very sacred. And that if you don't know Jesus, to not partake in it. But what I love about the Lord is that he has an answer for that. That answer is to simply just accept him into your life as your Lord and personal Savior and say, you know what? I'm sick of revisiting the same crap. I'm sick of being in the same place over and over again. And I want something new. I want something different. I want a new life. Transferring your trust from yourself 
selfishness to him, selflessness, Christ-like mentality. Let's pray real quick. Heavenly Father, if there's anybody in here this morning who has not accepted you as their Lord and personal Savior yet, but is ready because you're the one who has made them ready. There's no amount of words that I can speak or messages that can be heard that can change a man's heart as much as the Word of God and the Holy Spirit do their work in an individual. If that work is being done this morning in anybody and you want to raise your hand and you want to say yes to look to the Lord today, that's what we ask you to do. Just raise your hand. We'll pray with you. We will welcome you, accept you into the kingdom. Anybody, don't miss this moment. If the Lord's moving on you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So what we're going to do next is you can, when I'm done talking, you can get up and come down the center aisle and, and get your communion. Return to your seat and spend time confessing, acknowledging your sin, but giving thanks, praising his name and having a posture of bowing down in these next few moments. Amen. So let's get up, let's, uh, let's jump into this this morning. And that your love would reign supreme in our minds and in our lives. In Jesus' name. So let's stand to our feet and let's, let's close for this morning. How great thou art. How great thou art. Sing it out. Then sings my... Father, we put our stuff in front of you. And say, take it, wash us clean. Pray that as we go from this facility this morning, we can be a changed people. Because we understand what really confessing is. It's not only talking about what we've done, but it's talking about what you've done, Father. And how great you are. I thank you for this song being our benediction. How great thou art. Lord, we want to live our lives with that on the tip of our tongue. Every single word that comes out of our mouth, we want to speak that every action every breath Lord we love you we thank you and in Jesus name everybody said amen you're free to go